seven pitch. Harper hits one in the air, left center field, back it goes. Harper, the swing of his life. It is Bedlam at the bank. Swung on, hit it, crossed, and the Phillies are going to lead it. Four to nothing. Now Harper sends one in the air, way back to right center. Everybody, welcome back to the Bell Ringers podcast. Or welcome in. I don't know. Maybe it's your first time. But if it is your first time, you did not pick a very good time. Phillies just lost Game 7, the first Game 7 in the franchise's history. Lost to the 84-win National League champion, oh. Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, you didn't have to say it like that. Yeah, well, I told you, this isn't a good day. We usually have yeah. this Waving in the air, it's I've got the hood up. So I'll bring the hood down. But it's but, just, uh, you've said 84 win nationally champion. And that really just shows you it only matters if you get in. It's all that matters. So with the Phillies last year, 80, what, seven wins? And they won the National yep. League. It really only matters not what seed you are, how you get in, how it just matters if you get in. And if you get hot at the right time, and the Arizona card or Diamondbacks certainly got hot at the right time, and the Phillies, not so much. Eagles are back, Ben. The Eagles well, have been. been back, but... The Eagles are in full swing. They're playing well. The Sixers season starts tonight, which I don't know. It's certainly a positive. Wait, tonight? Tonight's the first game. Thursday night, eight o'clock. Really? Yeah. In, is in uh, the crappy guy playing? Harden? Uh, no. I, I think I read about that. Didn't he like get? He showed up to go on the plane, and then they 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 stopped him because they didn't have his security details, and he just was like, "I'm petty, peace out, losers," and left. Um, kinda. <laughs> I can phrase it. I, that I'm gonna way. burn. I have a couple Harden shirts. I want to burn all of them. Anyway. <laughs> Let's recap the season, Ben. So, started off rough. Series loss to the Texas Rangers. A series loss to the New York Yankees. Phillies started off 1-5. Is that correct? They were 1-5 until they came into Citizens Bank Park on what was supposed to be April 6th. Got rained out. April 7th was the home opener. Um, I was at that game. They won that game. Um and then it started to look a little better. They won that series. Did they won the next? Uh, no, they lost the next series to the Miami Marlins. Um, and then that was really. And then it would just continue with the bad start until Bryce Harper returned from Tommy John surgery in like mid May. Things started to look better. May twentieth, we had our event, the Philly Sports Reports event in Section Three Hundred One at the ballpark. That was exciting. Um, and then. The spiral just kept spiraling. Um, this is upside down, isn't it? Yeah, you're holding the rally towel upside down. Um, but and then it just and then things started to get really good. In what June? Yeah, yeah, June things picked up again, like they did last year. Um, and then July at the end, things started to look bad, and then August fourth, 
Um, my good friend, the Philly captain, friend of the pot, friend of the uh, friend of the network, uh, friend of the program. Um, and then uh, Jack Fritz, who I've met before. Um, both kind of had the same idea at the same time for the standing ovation for Trey Turner. And that turned around this team, hit the most home runs and tied the most for the most home runs in National League history in August with 59 home runs, most of the month of Philly's history. We thought they were going to win the World Series. They played bad, not great in September, but they clinched the National League in the final month, in the final week of the season against Pittsburgh. Um, and then we got into the postseason. Wild card, most dominant the Phillies really looked all season in two-game sweep of the Marlins. Uh, the NLDS, they play, faced the 102-win Braves, plus maybe the best offense in Four. baseball. 104-win Braves, Thanks. possibly the best offense in baseball history. They dominated them, won that series in four games. And the NLCS got off to an incredible start at home in games one and two. They killed the Diamondbacks games three and four. Um, we haven't spoke since game three, Colin, on the podcast. Game three, they lost on the walk-off, and that's really when this series changed, when uh, Craig Kimball came in in that last inning. Um, and then game four, Craig Kimball blew the game again. Game five, the Phillies won. Game six, Phillies offense couldn't get anything going, and same story in game seven. But really, it's when your big guys, your four, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, and Castellanos go a combined one for 32 in games six and seven, you're not going to win the game. This is flat out not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to go back. You, you made a point in the beginning about Phillies getting off to a slow start and I'll tell you, the, the way this season started kind of foreshadowed the way that it ended. And I didn't realize this until you mentioned it, right? 2022 ends. The Phillies were National League champions. The uh, perennially, perennially dominant Houston Astros, um, they win the World Series. And, you know, while that was disappointing at the time, in hindsight, you know, we could recognize that that was a huge accomplishment for a Phillies team that has struggled since 2012. So that was, like I said, huge accomplishment for them, right? They're they're coming off the biggest high they've had in 10 years uh, plus. They lose five of the first six games of the season. They recover. They do really, really well in the postseason, beating the um, unanimously favored Atlanta Braves in the division series, have a two-game lead in Arizona, and lose four of five again. I mean, like I said, it really, really, really relates to the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, going from an all-time high to a significant unforeseen low rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how low 2022 was when you look at that postseason because we were just happy to be there. The last season... No, no, that's what I'm saying. I I think you, you went off the... I did. I um step aside. But I'm saying like that. That was a huge accomplishment for a team that hadn't made the postseason in over a decade. And the Phillies flat we out coming lost, off an all-time yeah. high, and then we lose the first five or six games of the season, mm-hmm. and we were right back to that low, thinking we're not going to be able to follow this up. We do that. We get back to the NLCS. We get that two-game lead, and then we go right back down to that low. Just like the uh, beginning of the season, lose the yeah. exact same, right? We lose the first five of six. There were lots of parallels between last and this year. Yeah. 
especially with that Braves series, um, kind of almost the exact same story. Game one, the Phillies won. Game two, they just lost in the last innings. The Braves came back and win. Game three was dominant. Game four, the Phillies just pulled out. Uh, except in game four in 2022, the Phillies kind of blew them out. Um, but it's just so many parallels, and it's incredible to think about. But I want to talk – let's stick to 2023, um, as this is our last episode of this season until we look ahead to the future. This is the last time we're looking back in the past. Um, I, this series this – series, Flipped in game three. When Craig Kimball took that mound in the ninth inning, this series flipped. When he gave up the walk-off, base hit to Catel Marte, failed to get uh, – he only got one out in the inning, gave up bases loaded, gave up the base when he hit, and then game four, the Diamondbacks tied it up when Craig Kimball went out again. Um, and then game five, you things started to look better. And then – but I think this momentum shifted – in game three, and the Diamondbacks took it up. When Garrett Stubbs said, you know, we're going to go party out in that pool, like beeline to the pool, um, like the attaboy against Bryce Harper, that, that fueled the Diamondbacks, and Garrett Stubbs should know better, and he should keep his mouth shut. Um, I I mean, I think it was an overreaction because he said, if we win this series, we're going out there, not when we win this series. Um, but still, you gotta keep your mouth shut there. You saw it with the attaboy. You saw it. You know it's it's a way of feel for team. Um, but I mean, game three when Campbell gave up that hit is really where this series faltered. But the Phillies still had opportunity. They had two chances to win this series at home, and it really relies on like, this series comes down to Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, get Castellanos failing to hit flat out. I agree. Then I got a question for you. So looking at the season as a whole, considering every aspect of it, would you say that the Phillies exceeded, met, or failed to meet their expectations that we established prior to the season? Well, I think the regular season was about where I expected, around 90 wins, get that four spot in the uh, in the um, wild, in the National League. I thought they would maybe have the five or six seed because I thought the Mets would have a much better season than they did, but Four seed is really right where I expected them, um, and then I, my expectation for this team was to get back in the World Series. They did not do that. Um, so slightly below, would you say? I would say slightly below, but I think the way they went out and the team they went out against this team failed expectations. They're a much better team on paper than the Arizona Diamondbacks. You saw it in games one and two. You saw it in game five where they killed Zach Gallon again. Um, the Phillies hit their aces very well. Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, they hit well in games one and two. Game five, they hit Gallon well again. And in game six, they couldn't really hit Merrill Kelly. Um, but this was uh, – it's, it's hard. It's still – Two days removed from game seven, I still can't wrap my mind around how they went out and played in that game seven. Like, to go out and play how they did in a crowd. It was a very good crowd. Uh, I mean, if anybody was fired up, you see Dan Baker's pregame introductions. Those were incredible. Um, But it was just first game seven of franchise history, and they do – I mean – 
if we're talking about the Philadelphia Phillies, and if someone needs, if I someone needs to explain, if I need to explain to someone to describe the Philadelphia Phillies franchise, I am showing them this series. And you get out to that early start. It was an incredible start. And then the bullpen falters in games three and four. They look promising in game five. And then they come home highly favored to win. They should have won. And it's flat out didn't produce. So. Yeah, so I do. I, I think you summed it up pretty well. This series, the expectation, in my opinion, was to trample the Diamondbacks. You had no reason not to. The Diamondbacks are pretty to Phillies given that they are a team who got hot at the right time. Now, I don't think it's realistic to say that the Phillies' expectation for the season as a whole would be to win the World Series, because I truthfully think there were 10 to 12 teams in baseball who would have made that same, um, set that same optimistic precedent. So I would say that this was about what I think this team is, the quality of this team. When I look at other teams, right, like the Braves, the Dodgers, uh, the Astros, I think, actually um, were a little bit under where they were, should have been this year, um, or some other forces in the American League, like the Tampa Bay Rays. This is where I feel like the Phillies are right now. Um, so I would say that season as a whole, they met their expectations. They're about where where I think it's fair to place them. But this series was definitely disappointing. This should have been... This should have been an easy route for the Phillies to exceed those expectations, like you said. But I think failing to to see that route and take advantage of that easy route uh, is what really what really puts a damper on the season as a whole. And I I'm, I don't like when we make goals for the season because the goal for the season is always to win the World Series. Right. Whether you're right. tanking, whether you're the best team in baseball, any sport, any profession, always to be on top. It's not realistic for every team. I mean, this Phillies team, it might have been a, a bit of a very realistic, but every season, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's never stepped in the right direction. No. The Phillies failed at their overall goal this year. Expectation was, and my expectation was, reigning national champion. They had the team to do it. They had the manager to do it. Everything was lined up for them to do it. It just couldn't execute when it really mattered. And you saw it in those yeah. last couple of innings. Trey Turner failing to bunt the ball. Come on. It's bunting. I know how to bunt. And I haven't played baseball in about, what, two years maybe? Like, real, like I bet your son could have bunt that ball. Like, come on, Trey. And then you fail to get it on base when you needed to in that at-bat. And then Bryce Harper later in the game, in, in the seventh inning, misses a 96-mile-per-hour fastball practically right down the heart of the plate, which he hit in games five of the NLCS. It was the same pitch, three miles per hour more. He hit that ball out of the ballpark or bedlam at the bank. He could have had more bedlam if he hits that ball, not just out of the ballpark. He could have gotten that on base and score a run, leaving runners on first and second. He misses that ball. Nick Castellanos literally fell off the face of the earth after his first step bat of the NLCS. He did not record a single base hit. He was like 0 for 32 or something around that line. I mean, that is unbelievable. And I hated Rob Thompson's answer at the end of the season. Horrible answer when they said, well, how do you feel about Nick's fall? And he goes, that's Nick. No, it's not. Nick Castellanos all season has been 
one of the most consistent hitters in this lineup. He has been one of he has probably been the best hitter in this lineup all season. And to Bryce okay, Harper, all season Harper didn't play all season. Okay. Um, and like just to go out and say that's Nick. That's first of all, it's the wrong message. Second of all, it's not true. Nick Castellanos has been consistent, pretty much been hitting the ball all year. If you want to say the most consistent player in the regular season with Bryson Stott, fair. But Nick Castellanos really took a step from last season. And to say that's Nick going 0 for 30 something, horrible answer. And just not true. Because no player in baseball really goes 0 for 30 in the NLCS. Other than, I guess, Nick Castellanos in this situation. Especially for how hot they were going into the series. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I understand that there are going to be theories where certain guys don't play well, uh, you know, maybe a month where a certain guy doesn't play well because baseball's a game. I mean, this sounds so cliche, so baseball bad is she? Um, but, you know, mistakes are going to happen. It's a game of failure. Um, physical mistakes are acceptable. All that garbage, right? which really isn't garbage. I think it's just said a lot. But there's a difference between between failing more than succeeding and having physical struggles than whatever happened in the last three games of the series. Like the one for 20-whatever that the that Schwarber, Turner, uh, Castellanos, and Harper were in those final three games. Two games. That's a different level that I think goes from being acceptable to unacceptable like the Phillies won this series because they had a couple hits in there and maybe let's say Castellanos still didn't record that hit or and maybe he contributed with some walks or some stolen bases or some huge plays in the outfield but these these guys really didn't do much so it was Uh, Turner made some errors yep right um Harper had a couple not huge misplays in the field but there was a throw that was a little bit wonky um, from what I heard, so it's just like these guys. They, the biggest issue here isn't that the sheer number. What was it? One for twenty? Was it one for twenty-one in the final um, three games? So it was the final two games: Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Nicastianos, all combined went one for twenty-eight in games six and seven. Yeah, that right there is roughly ninety-two million eight hundred thirty-four thousand six hundred fifteen dollars of the two thousand twenty-three Phillies. $260,726,209 payroll. Yeah, so like, like I said, it's it's not the number. It's not the one for 28. It's the issue. It's the fact that they did absolutely nothing. Like if you calculated the war for those four guys nothing. over those two games, it should be negative eight. They each should get a minus one wins wins above replacement for that for those two games. Yep. It should be a collective negative eight value right there because they, they, had, they did nothing. Absolutely zero. Castellanos went 0 for 23 after his first at bat, striking out 11 times. I think the hood needs to go back up. Um, what else? Also, um, I want to talk about Aaron Nola's start in game six um, a little bit because, God, he was terrible. I mean, really, when you have to pitch well there, and he's pitched so well in the postseason. He has been so good for this team, their most reliable starter in the postseason. Um, and what about Wheeler? 
he has been be- he was better than Wheeler going up until game six. Um, lower his Wheeler gave up a few more runs than Nola did. Nola was just flat out like, I think he gave up other than game six like one run all postseason. Um, but he goes out there and just absolutely collapses. And and he's been he was so good in clinching games, and he was horrendous. And now that is his might be. His last start as a Philadelphia Philly. We'll get to that in the next episode, but we will. Uh, ben, so here's here's my issue with all of this. So Nola goes out there and struggles, right? From what I saw, nothing changed. Like the the he had to be doing something because even the outs that he got, they were pounding the ball. Like in the, I think because that was one of the, I, I did watch that portion of of the series and, and that start where where Nola it was the second start of the series right where he uh where he faltered, yes. and I mean he his pitches were okay, they they were good I wouldn't say they were great the like the movement the stuff but he left them the control wasn't there, um, he didn't have all of his usual bite. And nothing seemed to change. Like they just, the Diamondbacks were consistently pounding the ball hard, even in like they had some really, really hard flyouts I can think of to left field and center field that 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 still didn't make it look like Nola was super sharp. So I don't know if the Diamondbacks were picking up on something he was doing, or if they maybe I would assume Nola was tipping his pitches if that were the case. But if it was a mechanical thing that was making him struggle with location. Nothing changed, and I think that is something that the coaches need to recognize because Noel's not the guy who's going to be able to go to the dugout and diagnose his own problems without the help of other players and coaches. But I saw nothing that changed. That we shouldn't see the same issues persisting in professional players for four to five straight innings. That was my biggest issue with, I would say, with 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 that start, is that that there was the same struggle going on. Like there are some days where players are just not going to have it, right? They're not going to be able to locate. They're going to make adjustments, but I didn't hear any of any interviews where he was like, I was doing this, I was doing that. But I I don't think that in that big of a game or really in any game for that matter, you can just say, yeah, it wasn't working. Can't be like, that can't be an answer. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, but it was strange. Like, yeah, it was like a complete, change of of character he went from having unhittable stuff to them making hard contact in every direction yeah and speaking about unhittable stuff you talk about the drop off of your boy craig kimbrell he was so good an all-star in the first half of the season got his 400 save and then around september he just completely he was terrible. Um, he was horrible this postseason, especially in the NLCS against the Diamondbacks. We'll do two games. The Phillies win both of those games. They sweep the Diamondbacks. The Phillies had opportunities to possibly win games four, to clinch in game four and game five. If Kimbrel either doesn't pitch in those situations, and you can, you can say you can, you can like confirm this that I was saying before the postseason, Kimball should not be in that late inning role, and should be replaced with Jeff Hoffman. You can, and I said it on the pod. It is on air. Like 
It's out there. I said it multiple times that I don't trust Craig Kimbrell in big situations. And if he pitched the most innings of his old career, um, and it, it proved true. Yeah, so that's that's super tricky. Um, there's the performance aspect of it, and obviously leading up to the postseason, coming from Kimbrel, it was definitely subpar. Um, his his velocity dropped. He was not locating his pitches as well. But there's also the aspect of trust and loyalty. But because Kimbrel was great all season, I mean, outside of the first and the last months, he was electric. He was an all-star. He got his 400 save. He had like two months where he allowed like a combined three or four, maybe five runs, which is a crazy number. I mean, there was a point where he would come in regardless of the situation, and you knew you were getting a shutdown inning. And and it's hard to justify like, oh, yeah, this guy has struggled for three weeks, so we're just going to ignore everything that he's done for the past four months prior. Um. And that's what really, really makes these situations these situations tricky. It's in a way, it's very, very similar to the Taiwan Walker argument, which is that he should have gotten an opportunity to pitch because he had 15 wins. He has had some seven, eight inning starts. He's been semi-consistently very, very average <laughs> throughout the season. And they're paying him a fair amount of money. The arguments there are very, very similar, right? This is the first ballot Hall of Famer in Craig Kimball. And while I don't disagree with you, I understand why he was still in that role. But it's, it's definitely a um, – it's definitely an opaque situation. I don't know. It also I mean, messes up the structure of the entire bullpen, right? Because, like, mm -hmm. you remove Kimball from that spot. Now you need to use someone in a tight situation. You Jeff normally Hoffman. wouldn't be able to use, Jeff and Hoffman. right then my, that means that your eighth inning guy becomes your seventh inning guy. Sorry, opposite your seventh inning guy becomes your eighth inning guy, and that means that the depth of your bullpen just just got a little bit depleted there. So well, where would I mean, you? I know we need to wrap this up, but where would you have been comfortable with Kimbrel coming out of the bullpen? A lower leverage, like middle of the lineup. Like five, six, seven, eight, like in either the sixth or seventh inning. Like I would kind of replace him with Hoffman's regular season role. Um, just a quick flip flop. But really, I there's I I, I feel like we've been doubting the Diamondbacks. But the Diamondbacks played an incredible series. The Arizona Diamondbacks. I I'm biting my tongue on what I said in the NLCS preview. They're the real deal. They are a very good team. They're very well managed. Tori Lovello is a very good manager. Um, and they Corbin Carroll, he had a horrible series till game seven, where he went like three for four. Um, and Cattell Marte is unbelievable. They're, they're a good team. Um, they don't have a credible star power. They play in a horrible stadium. Um, but they're a good team. And I'm not gonna sit here and make excuses. The Diamondbacks outplayed the Phillies, flat out. The Diamondbacks looked like the looked like the ninety and seventy two team, and the Phillies looked at like the eighty four and seventy eight team. I'm, I'm not going to see into excuses. That's what happened. The Phillies got outplayed by the Diamondbacks. Bob Thompson did he have the best series? 
No, there were sometimes you could have maybe pinched hit for Johan Rojas, not used Craig Kimbrell or Ryan Kirkring, who also had a bad series. Um, but the Phillies didn't get outmanaged. They the umpires did it, even though they weren't great, they were horrible. They were not the reason the Phillies lost the series. The Phillies lost the series because they couldn't pitch when they needed to when they when they needed to get good outings or good good innings, they didn't. When they needed to get on base and get hits, they didn't. Um, and the big four in this lineup, mostly Cassiano's Harper and Turner, completely failed to execute. So the Phillies got flat out outplayed by the Diamondbacks, and you know, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of what ifs. Like, what if the Phillies win the series? What if Bryce Harper gets that ball? What if the Castellanos doesn't go cold? What if Craig Campbell doesn't come in and it? It's just it happened. There's nothing we can do about it. We have to sit here until now, March like 30th, and just I'm just waiting for opening day tickets to go on sale so I can be back in that ballpark and root on my fills because I am already feeling that seasonal depression. That's very, very fair. Now, of course, you've got the James Harden with Sixers tonight, so don't get too disappointed. He's not even playing. Right, James Harden lists Sixers. So I guess, I guess that's kind of a better version of the Sixers, honestly. Might be. Um, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I know, like I said, I know this has to you need to put a bow tie on this, but one thing that I appreciated this series from Rob Thompson is that he stuck to his plan. Mm-hmm. I felt like under Joe Girardi, we saw a lot of it's very all over the place. Some days he'd be like, ah, the, the metrics told me to do this. And other days he'd be like, yeah, it just felt like the right decision, right? Like Thompson has shown some things when he took over on, I want to say, June the 2nd of 2022 that he's always going to do. He's going to trust his young guys, right? He did that with Rojas and Kirkering. Was it too much? A little bit. A little bit. I think there were some very questionable Kirkering moves. I actually think that the Kirkering decisions were more egregious than Rojas, right? You know, you can't remove Rojas from the lineup just because he had a bad postseason. He hit 300 in the regular season. And he hit like 240, 250 in the regular season. I could see that. But he had 300 in the regular season. You can't just say, oh, he's had a bad two weeks. We're kicking him from the lineup. Um, Kirk Ring was a little egregious, but he stuck with his young He stuck with his young guys. Stop played every day. You have to appreciate that out of a guy like Thompson. Um, we knew he had a ton of trust in Kimball. He made trust. that clear during the regular season. He made it clear during the postseason. He wasn't jumpy. He didn't act all crazy instinct trying to out overmanage. I think he, I think Thompson stuck with what he has been doing and it didn't work. So I, I can't, I'm not, I can't blame this on Thompson. No, now, it's then, absolutely, before, before we absolutely wrap up the not. Pod, sorry, but I, I have another thing to say. It's absolutely not Topper's fault. Um, but this, going into the offseason, we'll have a, off-season preview um, after the World Series ends, which I want to talk about a little bit. We have a couple more minutes to, to wrap this up. But th- this is the team. I mean, there's not going to be any major changes other than maybe re-signing Aaron Nolan and Reese Hoskins uh, and definitely some bullpen adjustments. But this this is the team. This is the lineup. This is what the Phillies are going to stick with for the next however many years. Maybe I think Schwarber's going into his – Third year of his contract for another two years. This is going to be the lineup. Um, there's 
this is it. This is the team. They just didn't. They just didn't get the job done in 2023. Um, I don't know how many prime Harper years you're gonna get left because this is one of the best Harper years. Not sure how many years of prime Wheeler you're gonna get. Not sure if Trey Turner's gonna, you know, play how he did last year. Or maybe he'll make an adjustment. You know, this was Castellanos, one of his best years of his career. Um, you know, you never know. You're never gonna know what you're gonna get from Kyle Schwarber. This is really if they were gonna do it any year, it was gonna be this year. Everything fell in place for this team this year. They had the chance to overpower the Diamondbacks and get to the World Series, and they didn't. But this, if any team was going to win the World Series, it's probably this one. And they they just couldn't get past Arizona. So, yeah. All right, Ben, before we go into our outro, got to give the viewers some uh, incentive to watch the next episode. So you are going to give me, and then I'm going to give you a bold prediction for the offseason. It can be as general or as specific as you would like it to be. Um, one statement, one sentence. Don't elaborate. Just give me one sentence. I might even write it down. Reese Hoskins goes to the Cleveland Guardians. L O L. The Phillies sign two major, major free agents. Two. And by major, uh, so I'm I'm gonna rephrase. The Phillies signed two relevant free agents. So, for instance, yesterday, I saw on the MLB transactions wire that the Cardinals signed Buddy Kennedy from the Oakland Athletics. That's not major. Major means a major league player who will likely be rostered on the 40 man or the 26 man roster for a majority of the season. Like I would consider Matt Strom a major free agent signing. So I'm gonna say they get two of those this offseason. So I you think talk, we're both pretty familiar with the names. Count, does this count as re-signings or just signings? Like they're just signings in general. Re-signings. Um, so they could be Reese Hoskins or Nola. Could be Reese Hoskins or Nola. There will be two major league players. We're gonna get to that in the next pod, but we never we will. Out, we never shout out SeatGeek in this pod. Thank you to SeatGeek for ah. make sure you use code Philly Sports Support at SeatGeek. Colin, we will talk after the World Series, but for now we have a. Texas Rangers, Arizona Diamondbacks World Series. It's going to be the worst World Series in MLB history. Who's winning? And do we care? The Arizona Diamondbacks. Because that would make me feel slightly better. Make me feel worse because I know we could win the World Series now. But all right. Um, well, yeah. There you go. So thank you all for right, well, what, what was this episode? Was this 43? Yes. Thank you for listening to episode 43. Um, we will talk to you after the World Series. Go follow us on social media. Um, go Eagles. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thank you for listening and watching. Bye.